Hello, and welcome to the podcast. This is Chris Wachowski. I'm private equity editor here, and I also write the morning PE Hub Wire. Obviously, this situation is uh, unprecedented and something that I don't think anyone out there operating in the industry today has encountered in their lifetimes. I remember thinking in 2008 that that was unique and, and something that would never be repeated. But who could have foreseen this? Total shutdown of the American economy and really almost the world economy. Uh, it seems like no amount of federal stimulus money is going to help revive this economy right now where, where most business activity is on hold and millions of Americans are at home. So, of course, the question for us is what that means for private equity. To help us with that, I'm here virtually, not physically, we're over Zoom, with a few reporters who are going to talk about their areas of expertise. We have Sarah Pringle, the editor of PE Hub, and PE Hub reporter Milana Venn, and they can talk to us a bit about the deal environment and what, if anything, is happening there right now. And we also have Justin Mitchell, who is going to talk to us about LP mindset right now, what LPs are, are thinking and doing, whether LPs are still committing capital to funds or what's going on. Let's kick it off with Sarah. And Sarah, from what I understand, the deal environment is on hold, paralyzed, would you would you agree with that? Yeah, that's that's about right, Chris. I would say to start the the total shutdown you're talking about is being reflected in every way in every deal in every process. There are just so many unknowns right now. So if you're talking about a process that was getting ready to launch, nobody's going to do that. So any process that was already underway, you know, we're largely hearing that many of those are either indefinitely on hold. There may be a few exceptions where things are plugging along, but everything's pushed out at this point. You know, the focus right now is really survival. Everyone's trying to put out fires. Everyone's trying to get on their phone with their CEOs, come up with mitigation plans, worst case scenarios, that sort of thing. So like you said, it's pretty unprecedented. I have talked to people that have compared the environment to 2008. However, the one thing that's very different here is we've got a human element, you know, so it's pretty crazy out there. Have, have you heard of deals being pulled, being repriced, you know, the, the dreaded Mac clause being invoked. Have you heard of those types of situations? Yeah, I've actually in the last week written about a couple of processes that were very big and shut down. One of those I wrote about this afternoon is a Toma Bravo company called Improvada. It was kind of the talk of the town about six weeks ago. It's a huge IT security company that helps healthcare providers protect patient information. That was in its early phases expected to fetch over $2 billion. And about a week ago, they called it off indefinitely. I mean, if you're going to bring a deal to market now, you're not going to get the best valuation for it. Nobody knows how these companies are going to be impacted, even if only in the short term. So that was one of them. We also saw CapVest portfolio company pulled from the market, which is also pretty interesting because Final bids were in for that company that had been in the market for many months, but final bids came in short of expectations. They wanted up to $3 billion, didn't get what they wanted. You know, we had firms like CVC, Nordic, Bain around that one. So yeah, lots of uh, disappointed folks out there probably. In this case, what, what does hold mean? I mean, is, is the deal dead? Is it on hold? Is it going to come back in, in three weeks? What do you, what do you, what's your sense? Well, it depends who you talk to, right? People like to tell me that things are on hold, but these two are essentially shut down. If Curium 
decides they want to pursue a sale again in six months, they'll have to relaunch a process in its entirety. So in that case, they, they could even hire different bankers to sell the company. But you know, you never really know. Maybe one of these bidders comes back around over the next six months and tries to get a deal done outside of a process. But more or less, like those are situations where they're shut down for now and nobody really knows. What are you getting from bankers? Like what are bankers doing now? Are they still preparing documents for, for processes or what, what are they doing? Probably panicking. I think they're thinking partly how can they position themselves in three or six months? What might be some opportunities when we, you know, get through this and when the dust settles and yeah, trying to, you know, just trying to hang on, trying to keep those processes that maybe have a hope of getting done ongoing. Anything specific to healthcare? Healthcare seems to potentially be one of those areas that I guess, depending on what you're talking about, that might not be as impacted as, let's say, uh, you know, hospitality or restaurants or, or whatever. I mean, what are you hearing about sort of healthcare opportunities? Well, healthcare as an industry, I definitely agree is, you know, extremely recession resilient, as people love to say, and it is more insulated from market volatility. However, if you think about any sort of you know, physician office business, visit elected procedures, uh, all those kinds of things that at both physician offices and hospitals are definitely going to drop lots of patient cancellations for anything that's not urgent. So obviously, that's going to have some sort of impact on businesses, we're going to see deteriorating earnings at companies, nobody's going to try to sell a healthcare services business like that right now, they're worried about the operations of their companies. That said, those patients will come back when the dust settles, there's going to be a huge backlog of people like you and me that want to get to the dentist or the dermatologist. The bigger concern, I think, maybe all the dislocation in the market as people get laid off, people lose their insurance. And if we do enter some level of a recession, that can be more detrimental to the healthcare industry as well as others versus, you know, a few months of corona and that short-term crisis. Milana, in terms of recession resistant, there's some businesses in, in the tech world where we've sort of heard the same thing. I think that, uh, as, as you've touched on in the past, companies like Zoom or companies that assist with remote learning may have some opportunity here. Well, that's true. It feels like uh, some B2B software businesses are expected to hold up pretty well in this environment. And also, like all the businesses that, as you said, kind of help people do their work remotely, companies that help improve efficiencies in the business, everything that has to do with e-learning, remote learning for all the kids that are out of school right now uh, because of the coronavirus. So definitely those companies are seeing a lot of demand from my conversations with investors. Recently, I talked to Chris Gaffney, a managing director at Great Hill Partners, who uh, mentioned the company Examity, which actually verifies online exams that students take. And um, he was telling me that this company is seeing great demand from universities that are now forced to conduct those exams online. So companies like that seeing interests. Another investor mentioned a company, Headspace, that's apparently also seeing some interest, giving a lot of people are anxious these days and using some meditation services. So yeah, there are definitely some companies that should sustain in this environment. 
Do you think that we could see a uh, sort of a reckoning in, in growth tech being that valuations have been so high for the past few years, or at least that's, you know, that's, that's what you hear anecdotally. And actually, I do think it's proven through data. With valuations so high, and now with the uh, economy turning down, is it possible that we see some sort of reckoning in, in this side of the market in growth tech? Yeah, I think so. Again, it looks like good companies that were valued really high three months ago, they continue being good companies, but valuations have come down. In fact, one GP told me that if they see an opportunity like that to acquire and to invest right now, even in this environment, they would do it. There is a good environment to invest in those good companies if an investor has the belief that this company is going to make it to the other side after this is all over. And as somebody else told me recently, if investors are comfortable with equity financing, a period of low demand, this is a rich environment to invest, including in those growth businesses that you mentioned. Also curious, Sarah, about the uh, financing environment as well. I mean, it seems like the credit markets are not really open right now to deals. So even if GPs have money, which they do, that doesn't seem to make much of a difference because they're not going to have financing right now. Are you hearing that or sort of debt market seized up? Any expectation of sort of GPs having to plunge more equity into future transactions? Yeah, we, we are hearing that, especially for, you know, large syndicated deal market. There's just you know, no room for that right now. So I think it definitely depends on the type of deal and and which end of the market we're in, but nobody wants to underwrite things in in this market. So we'll see what goes on there. Certainly to be seen how that will impact valuations. And, And I think a lot of folks that when we come out from underneath this, valuations may come down a little bit. You know, at that point, maybe people are are more comfortable underwriting. So that could be, you know, a silver lining at the end of this. Yeah, and that, that seems to be the common theme right now, even when I'm talking to GPs or even limited partners, is that I think there's still a feeling that this situation is, however long it lasts, it's temporary. And once this virus is under control and we're allowed out of our houses again at some point, economic activity will be unleashed, demand will be unleashed, and GPs armed with so much money will be able to find great opportunities at relatively discounted prices, at least from what we've seen in the past couple of years. And so it'll be an amazing buying opportunity. That's sort of a common theme that I hear. Yeah, I would say that's consistent with exactly what I've been hearing, that we're going to come out of this and people are going to be perhaps more eager than ever to put money to work. From a deal perspective, everybody really thought the first half of the year was going to be the more active part of the year. And, and now it's looking like August could be really busy for bankers and private equity firms, especially now that it looks like we've got a Biden-Trump race. Any election-related concerns from a P perspective, you know, that's no one's talking about that anymore. So it should be interesting to see what things look like in a few months. Justin, so we've been talking about uh, GPs, you know, with all this money that's been raised in in sort of uh, uncalled capital sitting out there. Uh, Limited partners have been busier than ever with private equity, committing capital, upping their allocations, co-investing, using the secondary market to help sort of rebalance their portfolios and things like that. So what sense are you getting from LPs? Have LPs backing away from private equity activity? Uh, Has commitment activity frozen? How would you describe that? 
if I had to describe it in any way, I would say kind of across the whole spectrum, like from institutional investors to family offices, it seems like it's very much sort of an attitude of wait and see is taking effect. You know, LPs are seeing an effect on their portfolios, definitely. Uh, immediately, you know, their private equity allocations are changing due to sort of the denominator effect where losses in public equities will make their private equity portfolios suddenly too big or bigger than they were. But I really am getting a sense that uh, this time around, LPs are kind of trying to take a minute to see where the market volatility is going to take their portfolios before they take any steps to try and change those portfolios, you know, in a very qualitative way. There's a few reasons for that, I think. I think, as you mentioned, a lot of LPs are in the process of trying to up their private equity allocation, you know, and I think that means that their portfolios sort of have room to grow, which will mean as their public equity allocation shrinks or shrinks in value, their private equity allocation will grow, but it might grow to like the upper range of sort of their allocation range, but it won't get too big necessarily in the short term. A good example of this, I would say, is CalPERS, California Public Employees Retirement System. Their CIO, Ben Meng, uh, told their board, uh, last week that this was happening. He didn't mention what asset classes were affected, but uh, he said they had it, you know, sort of well in hand. And if you look at where the allocation was before the volatility hit, uh, the portfolio was well underweight. So that kind of gives it some time to, you know, grow. And it's not going to be something that's maybe out of their policy right away. That sort of gives them in particular a little leeway. And I think that might be the case with uh, a lot of other LPs who are not really where they want to be with private equity because it's something LPs are broadly trying to get more involved in. Definitely uh, one thing that I've heard is that for funds that have already been in the market before this thing hit, you know, sort of LPs locked in their commitments, already did the on-site due diligence, those commitments will likely go through. And so those funds, you know, will get their money. Potentially some GPs will decide that, okay, you know, we're targeting 500 million, we're at 375, let's just close it now, invest this thing and, you know, come back in a year or two and raise a bigger fund. But we're not going to risk staying out in, in the market for much longer, trying to entice LPs who aren't going to come and visit us because nobody can travel. And so they're not going to be able to do on-site due diligence. And, and because of that logistic challenge, they're just not going to commit. So those funds that uh, you know, were lucky enough to already really make a good start before this hit, sounds like they'll be okay. Funds that really have launched in the past couple weeks, past few weeks, first-time funds, emerging manager funds, that kind of stuff, they're going to have a big problem. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Um, and it seems like it's just not in like LP's head right now to think about new commitments because they're busy trying to sort of triage their portfolios and figure out, well, where are we going to be when this volatility passes, which they hope is going to pass relatively soon. I think that's a widespread hope. So I don't think, as you said, due diligence is kind of impossible right now. Multiple LPs I know of have canceled due diligence trips. Obviously, if they're working from home, they're not going to go fly across the country to go visit the GP in person and get to know them. 
they can teleconference. People have told me that's really not the same thing and it doesn't seem like that really counts in their eyes. Maybe that will change. But um, yeah, the idea is they're kind of waiting to see where they land before they're even going to think about anything else. Yeah. An- another interesting challenge here is that co-investing. So we know that co-investing has been one of the biggest additions to the LP portfolio over the past few years. More and more LPs want co-investment. They love the no fee, no carry aspect of co-investing. They love having direct exposure into companies alongside GPs they trust. And of course, that activity is completely dried up uh, You know, as the primary M&A market has paused. I've heard from several people that co-invest deals that they were working on on the five-yard line have fallen apart. You know, the GPs have kind of disappeared and no further word about those deals. And that's just a reflection, I think, of the primary M&A market. I think that activity isn't going to be coming back for a while either, even though, you know, I have talked to a couple LPs that said they're still in the market for co-invest. They're still looking for opportunities, which seems to me to say they'll be paused for a while. But, you know, as soon as this stuff starts to come back online, they're going to want to jump on those opportunities just like their GPs do. Definitely. One uh, interesting thing an LP brought up to me is the idea that there's a big difference between this situation and the global financial crisis of 2008 in that there is not really like, as you were mentioning earlier, the debt market has kind of dried up, but it hasn't like totally collapsed the difference may be that there is still kind of the chance to have a credit market going forward. It's not going to be something that's going to take years to rebuild or reconstitute itself, I think, hopefully. So maybe there'll be the chance they can get back into it, you know, once the immediate market volatility passes and maybe M&A starts up again. That's a great point. The global financial crisis of 2008 was a liquidity crisis and a credit crunch. And we have not necessarily reached that point yet. However, we could, and that's, I think, why we're seeing the Treasury, you know, make these really extreme moves, you know, sort of big early moves to try to keep liquidity flowing through the system, to try to keep financial institutions lending money. An interesting thing is uh, LPs are definitely also kind of scrambling to find liquidity or they're falling back on liquidity measures they've taken in their portfolios. Like CalPERS over the last year or two has worked to create greater liquidity in their portfolio. And there's a couple other LPs that seem like they're taking steps to try and create more liquidity to have more cash on hand just to deal with whatever may come along the horizon. So that kind of seems to be almost something that's more on LPs minds right now than anything else really. Yeah, well, right now, cash is king, right? Yeah, definitely. So with that, we're going to sign off. Have a good day. Thanks a lot.